Hey, y'all. Have you ever heard of Old Gods of Appalachia? Well, if you haven't, you have now. Let me tell you. This is a horror anthology podcast, and it is absolutely amazing. They have characters. They have actors. They have different people doing voiceovers. It is so ridiculously dope. Y'all got to check this out. Um... I'm, I'm like, I'm enthralled. I'm, I I can't stop listening to it. This shit is crazy. And I got to tell you, all the actors are, they're straight, they're queer, they're black, they're of color, they're male, they're female, they're they, thems, they, thems. They just, this thing is so diverse, man. And, and there's, there's actually some poets involved with this that I actually admire. So this is a big deal. Y'all got to check out Old Gods of Appalachia wherever you listen to your podcasts. Hey, y'all. Your fam, Black Fluid Poet. Check it out. If you love this podcast, I want to thank you for favoriting the podcast because it means the world to me. However... The way I can get more advertisers is to have more subscribers. If advertisers um, see that um, I have a lot of subscribers, they will be more willing to give me opportunities to advertise for them. So in order for me to get these ads, I need to get to a decent amount of subscribers. So you come here to anchor.fm and you go to support and you can pick 99 cents, 4.99 or 9.99. Please feel free to pick 99 cents. I, I I am overjoyed at anyone who wants to support my dream of getting this podcast taking off. You know what I'm saying? So please just consider it. If I could get a thousand subscribers, I could get out of this poverty thing. You know what I'm saying? Because yo, the struggle is real. Y'all take care. Hey, y'all. It's your fam, Black Fluid Poet, a.k.a. John S. Blake, coming to you live from this humblest of abode of books. And the jury's out on this pandemic, so it's no longer a pandemic paradise. It's 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 a crapshoot. Who knows? I mean, I'm just waiting for the next wave. Anyway, I've been gone for a while, and I apologize. Um, it's been a long time. So, um... I've been kind of thinking about masculinity and and um, thinking about the binary and the definitions of what it means to be a man or a woman um, or something in between, you know. And when I I look at my mother, right, because she was my first example of a woman and I'm noticing that my mother didn't fit into a lot of the boxes the mannerisms the behaviors the socialisms of of I don't know if socialisms is the right word but the way she portrays herself out in the world wasn't, didn't fit, man. It it just didn't fit. You know, my mother was assertive, often aggressive, loud, um, 
self-reliant, independent, often angry, violent. She had a great potential for violence. Um, And then I had seen her. I remember with my stepdad, I saw her as vulnerable and soft and um, submissive even at times. And I remember being so confused by it, you know. Um, It was almost as if my mother had to... And and there was even a, a little speck of depression in it. It was like my mother had to dim her light in order for my stepdad to shine in the house. Now, my stepdad was a good guy. I mean, let me say that. I have no qualms. He drank a lot. He drank a lot of beer. But he wasn't prone to to violence. He wasn't, um, at least not that I know of, he wasn't misogynist. He wasn't, you know, I mean, I was young and we didn't even know what misogyny was back then. At least we didn't use that term at all in the 70s. But he was caring. He was loving, hardworking, um, he painted cars for a living and, and in the seventies, that was a, that was a much different business. So, you know, he, he worked really hard and he was very good to me. And, um, I remember my mother being angry with him for no reason, you know, um, I'm going to lay down while I do this cause I'm still sick and I'm still kind of tired. Ugh. So I got this air bag. It's kind of like a big bean bag, but it's full of air and has a layer of styrofoam around it. And then it has this layer of material. And y'all, this thing is like a nest. And it's in my living room and it's supposed to be my couch slash love seat, whatever. But this motherfucker is my bed. And I might get rid of my bed and just put this in my room and get an actual couch for the living room. So anyway, I digress. So... I think my mother resented playing a role when my stepdad was there. And I think that's what destroyed their relationship, you know. Um, I remember <laughs> my mother used to bring this up all the time whenever somebody mentioned my stepdad. We, we, we called him Doc. To this day, I don't even know his real name. I just know we called him Doc. Um, but he... um. He worked, right, all day. And my mother decided to prepare a meal. And it was this really, when my mother cooked for you, it was a loving act. Now, my mom was white and raised in Harlem. So, yes, this was a white woman cooking, but she used all the spices. (laughs) You know what I mean? Um, All meat was cooked well done. um, And she wasn't playing. And, and, uh, you know... The mashed potatoes had to have the right amount of salt and, and this had to have the right amount of this seasoning. And, um, you know, we had different greases on the stove, the whole nine. But my mom made this um, spaghetti sauce for, for my stepdad. And um, when I tell you she worked on this shit for 24 straight hours, she started the night before, um, you know, cooking all the meat and, you know, uh, reducing all the tomatoes and and the seasonings and and fresh vegetables and then she had it simmer overnight and the next morning the house smelled amazing. Um, I remember it was summer, so it even made the house extra hot. So all the windows were open, all the fans were in the windows. I don't think it ever really helped, but back then we didn't know any better. So 
it was whatever. But, um, and my mother worked on this list and she tasted it every hour on the hour. It's still not ready. It's still not ready. And she reduced this bad boy. <laughs> and then, you know, she made the pasta. Um, Doc came home, jumped in the shower, washed his hands. And my mother had a thing for calloused hands. So when he come home from work, the first thing she wanted to do was rub his hands because she just, she loved calloused hands. She, she thought the, the concept of a laboring man was, was just so attractive and so sexy. So my mom loved to feel calluses on a man's hand. But uh, he gets in the shower. My mom brings him a towel and, you know, a little change of clothes. I mean, she does this whole submissive wife thing. And I was just like, what the fuck? I've never seen her so kind. But anyway, so we all sit down for dinner. <laughs> I can't help but laugh. We all sit down for dinner. And my mom is presenting, presenting Doc with this pasta. And she ladles on the sauce with the meat and the sausages and the meatballs and the fresh cut celery and the minced carrots. And you could smell the garlic. And oh my God, the onions bright and perfect and transparent and not too soft. And oh, and then before Doc tastes it, he says, could you get me a ketchup, babe? And my mother said, what the fuck you need the ketchup for? Taste it. He goes, I like ketchup on my spaghetti. And my mother picked up his plate of food and threw it against the wall and called him every kind of motherfucker there was to call him and screamed and men have no respect for women and the work they do and, you know. And Doc sat there, irresponsive, like just like just stone. And when she got done, he said, you didn't have to throw it against the wall, though, okay? And she was like, you motherfucker!" And stormed off to her room, um, pissed off, got dressed and left. And I remember looking at Doc and Doc looked at me and said, women. And then we proceeded to clean up the mess. And then I think about my dad, right? My mother was absolutely enraptured by my dad years and years after, even though she was angry with him and livid with him about stuff that we didn't know yet. Um, when he walked in the room, he kissed her on the cheek. She just softened. And she still gave him that side eye look, like you ain't shit. But she let him kiss her on the cheek. She let her, she let him, you know, hold her shoulders and give her a hug. And, you know, she went, mm-hmm, whatever, you know. But... There was no doubt in my mind that my mother truly loved my dad as well. And I remember spending a day with my dad playing speed chess. And uh, my dad, I, I've talked about this before. You know, my dad talked about the queen and he nicknamed the queen his bitch. And the queen is your bitch. And you use your queen to get ahead. And, you know, and I learned a lot about what my dad really thought of my mom by just listening. And I was young. I mean, I was really young. I couldn't put it into words. I was like six, seven. But I knew somewhere inside, the mean things he was saying about the queen on the chessboard is exactly how he felt about my mom. And I remember we would sit outside sometimes when I did see him. And every attractive woman that walked by, no matter what race she was, Hey, baby, how you doing? You're looking good today. Hey, can I talk to you for a second? Every single woman, every single woman that walked by never, ever missed. He, that dude don't miss. He never missed. He never missed an opportunity 
to catcall a woman on the street. And I said, how come they don't, they don't look like they like what you're doing? He said, oh, they like it. They have to act that way. You know, women. Women. There it is again, women. I've noticed that whenever a woman does something that, whenever a cishet, well, any woman really, whenever any woman does something that a cishet man doesn't like, there it is. Women. Eh, women, what can you do? Women. And then I think about um, Kataji Brown, Justice Kataji Brown, and this woman asking her, do you have a definition of a woman? And then I think about on TikTok, about all of these, um, you know, turfs and uh, just Christian nationalists and people who just, you just know that they haven't read a fucking book since the TV guide stopped being, you know, printed back in the like 90s. They all say what a woman isn't. A woman isn't trans. A woman isn't born male first. A woman, you know, there's one TikTok that I think, God, she just annoyed me. She was like, you know, you can put on makeup, you can cut off your, your, your sex organs, but it's never going to make you a woman. And I think about, okay, all right, all right. So we know what a, a we know what a woman isn't, right? I think. Maybe, I hope, or do we? Do we know what a woman isn't? We know what annoys men about women, right? Because we always hear about it. Women. But what is a woman? What is a woman? I I think of, you know, when I I think about the gender binary, I've talked about it. You know, it it was, um, it was about utilization. You know, men were put in a position to, um, reach for power and women were put in a position to reach for peace. You know, you, you went out to work and you struggled and you fought and you warred and you battled. And then you come home to this peaceful, you know, um, allegedly peaceful, loving, safe, supportive environment that a woman creates. Right. And a man creates the world for the woman, you know, he's, he's, you know, you know, Man makes the trains, you know, that whole thing. <laughs> I'm not even going to try to sing it. Um, but I think about that. Like, this is a man's world, but it wouldn't be nothing without a woman. Really? Is that is that how we're, is this how we're supposed, and that's supposed to be one of the most beautiful songs on the face of the earth. It's one of the most loving songs on the face of the earth. It's not your world, but without you, it wouldn't mean anything. Mm. Let me try that one more time. None of this on this planet belongs to you. But without you here to show you what I've attained, there would be no reason for me to do it. Really? Okay. But if a woman doesn't want a man to strive for power, to be out here trying to get her things. Then she's, ugh, women. <laughs> so it's like, women have been defined by men. 
for millennia, like forever. How much they're worth, how much you buy them for, how much you pay the dowry for the marriage and the viral in the Bible, you know, um, how much should the engagement ring be? You know, it should be this much of your salary. And um, it's exhausting. And I think no one comes up with a definition for what a woman is is because nobody fucking knows a definition. I mean, let's think about it. What does it mean to be a woman? All right, women physically, let's talk about physical. Women have breasts. Do they all have breasts? Some women are flat chested. Some women are A cup. Okay. Um, what if she has a double mastectomy? Is she no longer a woman? Which is how, by the way, a lot of women feel, from what I've heard, having a double mastectomy. They feel like they are no longer a woman. Okay. So, what if it's about pregnancy? Like women give birth to our children. Okay. So if a woman doesn't have a uterus, she's born with a defective uterus, or she has to have a hysterectomy, or, you know, once she hits menopause, is she no longer a woman? That sounds silly. Of course she's still a woman. Okay. So basically, according to the, you know, ignorance.org group, um, she just basically has to have a vagina. That's it. But the vagina has to be there from birth <laughs> for them to consider her a woman. Now, child, I have been on TikTok for a couple of years now, and I have seen some women on TikTok that are fine as fuck. I mean, F-O-I-E, fine, A-F. And at one time, they had a penis. Some of them still have a penis. And they are fine. Fine. And still, they're not considered women by these, I don't know, the shitty committee of of society, you know. And I just can't help but think that men still want to control the definition of what it is to be a woman. And in that way, they also want to control the definition of what it is to be a man. And to be a man is everything in opposition to femininity. I think that this discussion in in the public realm is important, but at other times I think it's a distraction. Like, you know, we're going electric and we need all of these, you know, rechargeable electric batteries for cars and for homes. And, you know, we got RVs that are using it now and, you know, your cell phones, your laptops and all of that comes from cobalt in the Congo. And boys are usually the ones working as miners, young boys you know, some as young as eight, nine, 10 years old. And they're mining for $1.50 a day, all this cobalt for us, basically, because, you know, we use a lot of the world's resources. The United States does. Um, There was a time that I remember a statistic that between 
Japan and the U.S., 75, 75% of the world's electricity is used between Japan and the U.S. Now, that was a long time ago, and I'm sure that statistic has changed with the development of more countries and you know so forth, so on. But these children are dying, literally being worked to death in, in the Congo, mining for cobalt for $1.50 a day. And isn't that a more important discussion to be having? Isn't that something that we should be unpacking? But right now in society, we're talking about what it means to be a man or a woman. It's almost, if it wasn't such an essential, such an important conversation to be having, I would call it a first world issue. It is a first world issue. I mean, we're we're actually at a point to where, you know, we think we're so far developed that we no longer have to worry about the essentials. Meanwhile, the world is on fire. But we're sitting around talking about, you know, men and women, women and men, and we still can't define it. What does it mean to be a woman? What does it really, really, really mean to be a man? Nobody really fucking knows. I don't. I don't, and my IQ is up there. And I couldn't tell you a definition of what it means to be a man or a woman. That is to say, there is nothing that a woman has that can be taken from her in which the end result is she is no longer a woman. She can shave her head. She can stop wearing makeup. She can have a double mastectomy. She could be more masculine than feminine. Um, She could just be masculine. And she's still a woman. Why is she still a woman? Because she calls herself one. That's why. That's it. That's the whole kit and caboodle. That's the end of the line. You are a woman when you say you are. And this pisses mainstream America the fuck off. Well, what does it mean to be a man? You know, a man takes care of his and his own. Oh, that's a good one. Oh, shout out to capitalism for that one. You are an individual. And the only thing that you should be concerned with is your immediate occupants in your house, your children, your wife, You know, I'm talking heterosexual terms because I'm trying to keep this really simple. Um, But that's what it means to be a man. A man is, you know, he's straight, he's cis, he has a straight cis wife, he has some straight cis kids, and he works himself to death trying to pay the bills to support them. That's his job. Shout out to capitalism for that mindfuck. I mean, that is some serious colonizer individuality. That energy is, whew. They have millions of men convinced that your job in life is to work yourself to death. Just to work, to produce. And we bought it. We bought it. I bought it for years. We all bought it. You know, I'm, I'm going to be 53 this year, y'all, and this coming year. And up until the last five years, I had bought that my whole life. I worked 12 hours a day in a restaurant, in a diner you know, to help support my fiance at the time and my newborn son and my stepdaughter. 
And I worked, man. And I felt so proud bringing home that money. And I went to work seven, sometimes seven days a week. And my fiance would complain, honey, you're always working. You're never here. And I would go, women. Ugh, women. They just, they don't get it. Now, mind you, my son's mom, my fiance at the time, worked five days a week, Monday through Friday. She worked for a pool cleaning business. And at her job, she worked hard. So her complaining about me working the weekends and never being home was just her wanting me to be a part of the family. And I was trying to tell her that being a part of the family is me being out working. That's the part I play because that's what men do. They work. And this is where the crossroads come, right? Because... It's almost like men and women have been positioned in opposition of each other on purpose. And I don't know why. You know, I hate to make it sound like a big conspiracy, but it is a conspiracy to me. I feel like, I, I believe, let me not say I feel like, I believe that women and men have been put on, put in opposition of each other to keep one working and to keep one home. See, now that the economy is so shitty and men and women are both working and they're they're paying off their, their college tuition and, you know, the price of everything has gone up, it has changed the dichotomy of a heterosexual relationship completely. And now there are now, all of a sudden, we're not in a binary. Now, there's, there's no longer men and women. It's alpha men and beta men. And, you know, alpha men wouldn't tolerate a woman who insists on being independent and working and keeping her own money. Whereas a beta man is, you know, this jellyfish that lets his, his still his wife, do anything, you know, that she wants to do. Um, and then there's the argument about what kind of man are you? Okay, what kind of man? Wow, what kind of man? What kind of man are you? So there's more than one kind. Well, if there's more than one kind, then there's not a binary. It's not either or, right? Because the definition of a man is not solidified. There's clearly two types of men. Well, then there's the feminine man, you know, that people would qualify me as, the one who wears makeup but still is attracted to women. <coughs> and then there's different kinds of women. So do you, do you see how the binary is is right right now just dissipating right before your eyes because you know to be a woman means to love flowers unless you're a man who loves flowers and you become a florist and you open up a flower shop then but is he a man because he loves flowers and loves arranging flowers yeah because he has a penis okay well do you see how this is all getting? It, it's still defined by sex. And that is where it all falls apart. It just falls apart. Because men and women are just simple personality traits. That's all they are. It has nothing to do with the physical body. Whether a woman has a uterus or not, whether she has breasts or not, whether she wears skirts or not, 
it's all about the fact that she was born with a vagina and then society expects her to act a, a B and C way when she's out in public. We teach her shortly after birth to become this woman that mind you in society isn't working, um, working out very well, you know, um, to be submissive and to be pleasant and to be peaceful and quiet. And, you know, honey, when you're sitting down in a skirt, you got to close your legs. Um, Oh, you look so pretty. Um, you know, do you want to have kids when you get older? All, all the, all the mind fucks that some of our grandparents still put on our own children. Um, And then you have the same thing about men, you know. Oh, you look so strong. Oh, you look so handsome, brave. You know, uh, hey, hey, look, you got to stop crying, right? Just because you fell, you can't cry. You know, you're a man. Men don't cry. And we shape them into this thing that we ourselves have despised for ages. We've hated it. But because of tradition, because of a fear of marginalizing our children, we push them into these holes. We push these square pegs through round holes because, God forbid, our children come out unique. (coughs) (coughs) And isn't that a flaw in humanity? That even when something isn't working, we still continue to do it because we don't consider other options. We don't stop if it's not working. Teaching our children that way isn't working. You know, teaching our boys, you go to work no matter what, da 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 you keep going. If you're tired, if you're sick, if you're hurt, you just keep working, just keep working. And so we're working ourselves to death for less than a living wage. Nowhere's near a living wage. We can barely afford where we live. Um, if we live indoors at all, <coughs> we are in constant war, constant conflict, if not with other countries, with our own fellow citizens. We, when I look at January 6th and the clusterfuck of society that it was, I mean, it was a glaring, glaring, glaring um what's the word i'm looking for warning sign it it was it was just it was so obvious that we as a society need to change i mean these guys predominantly men predominantly white men predominantly cishet white men beat and choked and crushed their way through police to overthrow our democracy because they have been told their whole life don't cry work hard get what you want achieve power and if someone tries to take something from you you go get it back and so One police officer was stabbed with a steel pole from a flag. 
that was attached to a Blue Lives Matter flag. Another police officer was nearly crushed to death as these men tried to enter the Capitol. One officer was tased and beaten and his head crushed. Another, from the trauma, killed himself within a week afterwards. Our men are dying from masculinity. Now, if I was just to say, men are dying from masculinity, literally dying from masculinity, it would sound like some hysterical drama. But let me tell you, men died that day. Many nearly died that day. Because men have been taught, if you don't have what you want, you step over anyone you have to, to go get it. It's yours. And I think of, um, what is her name? The face that launched a thousand ships, um, the old story of Achilles and Troy, uh, anyway, the legend of Troy. And I think about, uh, Brad Pitt playing Achilles and they run on this beach and they run on the beach of Troy and, and they're about to attack. And he said, there it is your destiny. Take it. And their job was to kill a bunch of men they didn't even know because this would make them live on in infamy. That's what we've taught men. That this is... And I'll tell you, I didn't think about this when I first saw that movie. When I saw the movie, I was like, God, how glorious. How, you know... You, you could just smell the testosterone, you know? It was just... It was amazing. And to watch Brad Pitt just taking these dudes down and... And now I'm like, you took human lives so you could be famous. You took lives so everyone would talk highly of how well you take lives. And then it makes me think of war heroes. And it makes me think of war. And it makes me think of how easy it is to talk millions of 18-year-old young men into putting on that uniform and how much respect they deserve and how much dignity and pride they should have in it. And, you know, they're protecting, you know, your rights and your freedom. And we sell it, man. We sell it. The same way we sold hard work and white picket fences and 2.5 kids is the same way we sell, you know, joining the army, the Marines, Navy, Air Force, armed, you know, uh, National Guard, Coast Guard, everything. It's just about pride and dignity. And we don't, a recruiter never says, you're going to do whatever you're told to do and you're not going, you're not going to be allowed to have an opinion about it. I think about coercion which is something, sexual coercion, which is something I was guilty of for the longest time. And I think about, there it is, your destiny. 
take it. It's yours. And I think about this feeling of entitlement that men have because they've worked hard. This feeling of entitlement that men have because they've played by all the rules. We are waiting for the rewards of our hard work. And because the lie has solidified in our veins, the rage that comes when the reward isn't there is causing damage. You know, the demographic with the highest mortality rate right now are middle-aged white men from suicide, alcoholism, drug addiction, depression. Because we bought this hook, line, and sinker People who were born with the penis were sold a bill of goods that producing, keeping your head down, and doing what you're told would pay off, would be a heaven on earth. You'd have a house, you'd have a beautiful wife, you'd have great kids, you'd be in charge of some shit, you'd be running your own show. And then his wife has to get a job. And then one of his kids has to get a job to help pay the bills. And then nobody can afford to send you know, their their children to college without taking on $100,000 in debt. And the price of gas goes up and the price of minimum wage doesn't. And the price of a house goes up and minimum wage doesn't. Gas is up to $5 a gallon. Minimum wage is $7.25. Do you see the problem here? And when I think about January 6th, don't get me wrong. I don't feel sorry for the men who committed these atrocities on January 6th. What I'm saying is I understand. I understand that they've been sold a bill of goods and they feel robbed by it. Now, I don't think that that's the only reason why they do it. I think there's a lot of racist men that were involved in January 6th who were tired of immigrants being here and they blame immigrants for all their problems. Another bill of goods they've been sold. I think there's a lot of men there who are misogynists and they don't want their women to be working, but the women are working because the fucking government isn't doing what it, it, it hasn't kept its word. It hasn't raised minimum wage and the price of everything is going up. Another bill of goods they've been sold. I think about that woman who tried to crawl through that broken window to kill a senator and she was killed trying to enter. See, I'm not necessarily angry at Trump. I'm not necessarily angry at the people on January 6th. I'm angry at the lie. I'm angry at the hegemonic forces. The white, the Christian, the able-bodied, you know, uh, the wealthy, who manipulated the masses like pawns on a chessboard and treated everybody like their bitch. Using them to get to where they wanted to be and then left them in the cold once they got what they needed. They got their destiny. It was theirs. And they did it on the backs of hard-working Americans. And meanwhile, they got us here trying to come up with a definition for what is a woman. Ain't that about a bitch? While we're sitting here trying to figure out what it means to be a woman, 
what it means to be a man. We're broke. I have to go to a bookstore tomorrow and sell some of my most favorite books because I'm broke. I still got $600 to pay on my gas bill. I am uh, trying to organize these writing workshops every month just so I could stay above water. I got three part, four participants for this one, which which great, you know, that's that's another three hundred and twenty dollars this month. It's not enough. You know, I worked in the restaurant business for almost thirty years. I worked at some of the best restaurants in the country, and I've worked at some dives, but I made good money. And here I am, trying to get my gas turned back on so I can take a hot shower. Because I did it, I worked, I produced. But nobody told me to invest. There was nobody showing me how to handle and manage money. No one taught me about interest rates. No one told me when and when not to use a credit card. I wasn't taught in school to beware of materialism or irresponsible spending. Because the longer I stay broke, the better it is for the wealthy. Just keep working. And then they shove all these materials, necklaces, jewelry, you know, nice cars, nice shoes, And I buy and I buy and I buy. And then I'm like, fuck, I'm broke. You know, my whole life, I, I spent money in places I shouldn't have spent it. But I wasn't given the whole story. You know what I mean? It was like, just go produce. Just go produce. Sucker. And, and I could see how that's, so frustrating you know and then it's about at that point it's about individuality well you fucked up your money that's your fault but wait a minute you told me to produce but you never told me what i was supposed to do with the money you didn't tell me how to get the white picket fence you didn't tell me how to get the the house well you're supposed to figure that shit out oh so this isn't about each other this isn't about you know fellow americans this isn't about all of us getting... No, it was never about all of us getting there. Yeah, anybody could get rich in this country. Don't mean we want your ass to get rich because if you get rich, that means I got to give up some. They got us fighting each other over the definition of what it means to be a woman so that we don't fight them over the definition of a living fucking wage. The snakes are in the grass, y'all. It's time to break out the lawnmowers. I think about Roe v. Wade and the overturning of it. Now they want it to be federal. And the truth is, I, I think about the fact that it's more poor people who have abortions than, than wealthy people. I think about the fact that it's more black people having abortions than it is, you know, white people. But the truth is, the wealthy just need more poor workers. They need more laborers. They need more people who are too busy watching TikTok 
than learning about socialism. What does it mean to be a woman? I don't care. What defines a woman? Who cares? What's in your pants? Doesn't matter. How are we surviving? Where do we go from here? I know in one country, what defines a woman is a piece of cloth that she is expected to wrap around her head. And this is so important to their government that if she refuses to wear the garment, she's murdered by their own morality police. That's a gender binary. That's what it really looks like. The binary is a setup for women to stay under the thumbs of men. The binary is a setup for poor and weaker men to stay under the thumbs of the powerful, wealthy men. Let's keep our eyes open, y'all. Woke culture is the best thing that's ever happened to us because the opposite of woke are your eyes wide closed. Y'all have a good night.